Hi there, it's Jeff Cullen and Mark Hughes, and this is episode three of the Connect2 podcast. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jeff. How are you today? I'm good. It's uh, summery hot, and here we are on our third episode. Third so, episode. Uh, yeah. But we're still waiting to get one on Google and Apple, but hopefully soon. Yeah, well, I guess, like I was saying, they uh, they probably have pretty big control of their empire. So so you said we're on Spotify and a bunch of other things now. So uh, Tune in, uh, Podbean, and there's a couple of others, and they're slowly coming through. Um, uh, we don't have mail, but we do have comments. Excellent. Would you like to share one of the comments? So the comments that we had from um, people that listen to us through Podbean, which allows you to, um, one of the, uh, one of one of our listeners, was really quite intrigued by the fact that we were talking about the expense. Oh, there you go. Yes, and uh, talked about uh, doors and corners. So um, that is a uh, that is a. Uh, a reference to uh, a reference to the investigator. So anyway, it's a, it's a long story. You're not into I don't think it I'm too there far, yet. so I'm, don't I'm, worry about I'm it too on much. Episode I'm not going to spoil it, but it's excellent. Doors and corners. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a comment through uh, text because it's from uh, the uh, the composer performer of our musical track who is uh, floating the idea of maybe doing a podcast where we talk about the songwriting process. So. Uh, so I think we'll put that in the old uh, hopper and see what we can do with that. And I noticed last time I checked, I think there was 24 downloads of our inaugural episode. And I think three of our episode two, which you just posted this morning. So starting to have uh, a little bit of traction. And I think that's, that's really cool. Really, uh, I'm really pleased with how it's going. What about you? I'm, I'm pretty pleased too. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have somebody that commented that it... Uh, that, that uh, basically when they signed into Podbean, it gave them a mysterious name. But uh, I don't know who that is. They um, are KHVTPR, which is the mysterious name. Oh, as a subscriber. Yes. So it assigns you a, a name. I'm Weird. Apparently. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> we're doing that's good. Great. We've we've got uh, it just uh, launched this morning, so uh, this is week two. So um, this we're doing week three, so that'll that's be right. a week from a week from today. That's right. Well, I heard Joe Rogan's already getting kind of nervous. So. <laughs> As well, he should. Yeah, be. exactly. <laughs> so no mailbag yet. We still have a mail address, but uh, and uh, that's the scoop. So what are the two things you learned this week? Well, you know what? It was Father's Day on the weekend, and you're a father, and I'm a father, and so I thought, you know what? I'd like to find out a little bit more about Father's Day. So I have some some fun Father's Day facts that okay. I learned. That's awesome. So, first of all, uh, invented in 1908 by a lady named Sonora Smart Dodd, who get this, her father was a uh, Civil War veteran, although it didn't say which side, and uh, and a single parent, so he raised five daughters in the 18 in the 1800s so in 1908 his daughter decided to honor him and invented this holiday and then it didn't actually become legal in the united states till 1972 when no one other than richard nixon made it an official national holiday so i thought that was pretty cool uh some other fun facts about father's day um it's it's uh, celebrated in lots of countries around the world but not always at the same time so we celebrate it 
third weekend of June in Canada and the U.S. and, and most places. In March, on March 19, uh, Portugal, Spain, um, Croatia, and Italy celebrate it. Yes, I, I have Portuguese cousins, and it became really apparent when I was posting Father's Day stuff, and they're going like, why are you posting yeah. your pictures <laughs> of your dad? And they similarly did the same thing in March. Same Mother's Day is also different in Portugal. Oh, there you go. Uh, August 8th in Taiwan. September, some date uh, undefined in Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, and Papua New Guinea. And December 5th in Thailand. So in theory, if you really like socks and underwear, you could go traveling and you could celebrate <laughs> Father's Day at different parts of the world and load up on the old socks and underwear. So I thought that was fascinating. Uh, Mother's Day, you mentioned, um, also early 20th century, uh, established by a woman uh, named Anna Jarvis, who eventually decided that she didn't like Mother's Day anymore because it was too commercial. So she regretted the commercialization <laughs> of it. And then, I don't know if you know this, but there's actually a Siblings Day. I did not And know it's that. April 10th, and so you owe your brother 50-some-odd years of cards and, and, vice and stuff. Versa. Yeah, and vice versa. So April 10th is Siblings Day. So, so I learned a lot about, you know, the Father's Day trifecta. What about you? <laughs> what I learned... <laughs> I learned not all podcasts are created equal, that, uh, that there is a, uh, with podcasts, um, there is um, a need for podcasts to be published before they can be distributed. Um, so we needed to have our first podcast before some of the other services like Apple and Google even would consider listing them on there. So you can't sort of pre-do it. So this also <laughs> explains why people sometimes do trailers for podcasts. I think you do a trailer because you're trying to use that to lead in until you actually have oh, everything interesting. ready to go. So right. something, something we didn't uh, think about, but uh, that's okay. It doesn't matter. We're in the thick of things. There you go. Um, so will they listen to it and approve it? Do you know from I the process? I have no idea. I know you submit right. it and then they review it and and then it gets there but spotify we're we're in with spotify so there you go so if you're listening to us on spotify thank you very much <laughs> you know i just found out today that spotify is actually from sweden i did not know that i did not know that yeah, either. they're a swedish company so yes. yeah um and uh what else did i learn uh well i, I took my uh my my trailer the rosinante or my right. truck camper for a shakedown i learned that uh well, there's some, these systems on these uh, campers are a lot more complicated than my old 1974 Trillium, which I have basically sold. So uh, it... Um, well, you uh, didn't have anything. Did it even have running water in Trillium? Had, it, had, it had water, okay. potable water. It had, you could connect to city water. It had a three-way fridge. It had a stove, and it had a gravity furnace. And gravity furnaces are cool on their own, and you can't buy them anymore so. oh wow i had no idea it was so sophisticated because yeah. it was just a small very no frills thing as sophisticated as it was it was still pretty simple everything was simple <laughs> everything in my truck camper which is new is is complicated so right yeah so that was uh that was and uh and then when you have short power and they give you the wrong connector so you can't actually connect to short power you're boondocking which uh my trailer, my truck camp. I keep calling it a trailer. Boondocking? Boondocking is when you're not connected to anything. Oh, like interesting. Basically going oh, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just call, we call it dry camping with, with our motor home. Yeah. Yeah, but it's yeah. also no power, no nothing. Yep. So boondocking is uh, right. Is the 
is the common. So it won't run off the battery of the vehicle like like uh, a motorhome would. It does run off of batteries, but I have uh, so solar power that will more than adequately replenish cool. the batteries. So. Well, let's ask the important question: Have you have you drained the sandy tank yet? Have you have you had the joy of the stinky sandy dump? I did. It went okay. Okay. It was it was like I said. It was just a trial, a shakedown. So just thing, a, so. a clean water. No, it was not clean water. Oh, okay. It was, it was definitely used because oh, one okay, of the things okay. I discovered is when you go to a, a, a campground and you get all three services. Yep. 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 They don't give you a washroom. So you have to use yours. Oh, okay. So yeah, there you go. So you've it's been it's been christened. It's been the christened. seal has been broken. <laughs> yes, the that wrap, is exciting. Has been taken yeah. Out. Well, I saw the pictures of you on Facebook, and it is a huge. It's a big unit. It is. Well, it's just I, around the corner. Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, so you're just driving it all around all the time now. Well, I just brought it from the campsite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyway, today is your topic. We're going to talk about servant leadership, which I have to say, I understand the concept of service, servant le leadership. I find the term weird. Like um, servant is such a loaded word and it, uh, I think it's difficult to sometimes understand what servant leadership is. Well, why don't you explain yeah, that? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I too have, now I teach it you know, in, in B school and, and yeah, a lot of people have a bit of a, a reaction to the term servant and, uh, which is probably why I thought it's such a cool topic. I'm going to research it a bit and, and provide a little bit of, of, uh, insight. So yeah, first of all, coined in the 1970s by a guy named Robert Greenleaf, who interestingly enough, there's a Greenleaf center for servant leadership that he founded way back. So it's been around for a long time. And, you know, basically, if you get beyond the term, which sort of sounds loaded, right? It's a bit charged. It sounds right? like you got the head butler. Yeah, exactly. So the main idea is that as a leader, your purpose so it's more of a way of thinking, right? Is that your, your purpose is to be of service to a whole bunch of things. So this is not Downton Abbey. It's not Downton Abbey. No, service to the vision of the organization and, and the goals um, to the people that are following you. Right. So again, in a, in a, in a business environment, you'd be servant to your employees, but we'll talk about it in a specific in a particular way in a minute. And then ultimately servant to your customers and, and the society in general. So the best way they, we represent it is if you can picture a pyramid and the, I guess the classic view of leadership and corporate stuff. And you know, you were, you were, you ran your own company is picture a pyramid. And at the very bottom, of the pyramid are the, you know, the people who are frontline. And then as you go up the organization, it gets more and more rarefied and pointed. And at the very top, you know, would be the, the C-suite people, right? The, the leaders. And, and then, you know, traditionally everything kind of flows down and, and decisions and, and it's a power structure, right? Now, let me ask you, where do you think the customer is in that, in that traditional photo or traditional picture? Not. They're, they're under the pyramid. Under, under <laughs> at the, pyramid. the very bottom of the pyramid. So they're like the pharaohs buried. That's right. And so the whole idea or the, the metaphor is you take that pyramid and you, you, you turn it upside down. And now a couple things happen. Number one, the customers now probably where they should be, which is at the very top, um, as opposed to buried under the thing. And I like to think of it now the CEO or, or the C-suite are at the tip of the pyramid. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you're no longer 
in charge or or you know in in somewhat of a position of privilege but it it changes the focus and says if i can see myself first of all at the tip so the thing is a little unstable my job is to keep it basically from falling apart and then the other powerful piece is that you now visualize that you're supporting all of the people above you so instead of and i always like to talk to my students imagine if someone had to come and, and hold you by your shoulders and pull you up it's pretty uncomfortable supposed to being below you and supporting you so it's this whole idea of support and the idea that that you're trying to better everybody's position right so you say okay i'm going to give you authority i'm going to give you support and my job now as your leader is to not tell you what to do but to help you understand what you need to do and then get out of your way and remove obstacles and support you so when you you look at it from that perspective it it sort of changes that whole dynamic well, I, I, when I was doing it, I would always use this word, which would drive my wife crazy because it has it's a loaded word. I always figured I was an enabler because I'm enabling people to be better and do better. But <laughs> enabling also has a very negative connotation. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're in the 12-step world, it's <laughs> it's not good, right? No, it's, it's really bad. Well, again, I'm, that, that's a super important point. So, you know, one of the things that I think people often forget is that a big part of leadership is accountability and that most of us i guess in our fantasies you know people want to be given everything they want and at the end of the day it's you know you're it's a free-for-all but the reality is most of us actually don't want that right we want to be held in respect we want to be given a challenge and then we sort of want to be in, in a healthy way hold to account and when you screw up have somebody you know honestly tell you Hey, yeah, yeah, you kind of blew it there, right? So that, there's that piece. I think this is where that term servant scares people. So I think they, they begin to envision, well, am I supposed to be walking around like the butler and my employees make all kinds of messes and then I'm just cleaning up after them? And it's just absolutely not. It's, it's training, support, and, um, and accountability. So, you know, I'd just like to finish with a really quick kind of a funny story. I think my first experience with servant leadership goes back to it's about 15 or 16 and you know I grew up in Montreal and, and you you grew up there as well so back back in the day I was in Boy Scouts and you know things were different so I remember we were at a, a camp week long camp 15 or 16 and despite the fact that it was against the rules we got very 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 inebriated one night <laughs> yeah I was in Cubs <laughs> we were not in Scouts and alcohol <laughs> was never there well it was by the time I was you know not sanctioned right of course so it's three in the morning and and there's about five of us i mean just totally smashed like totally wrecked and our leader who was a, a bit of a rough around the edges kind of guy in the first place of course comes traipsing out of the bush and and catches us right and we're like we're just gooned and so he says you know what everybody get to bed and we'll deal with this in the morning now he would have been in his rights to send us home it's about halfway through the week-long camp, right? Uh, we might have gotten kicked out, but it's not what he did. Six in the morning, he uh, comes into our tent, and he's rattling like a, a spoon on a pan. You know, bang, 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 bang. And basically what he said was, look, you guys are the leaders, the young kids you know, who paid to be here. Uh, shouldn't have to pay for your stupid decisions. So you guys are going to get up, and it's a full day of outdoor, in the hot sun activity. It was like sailing and and I don't want any of these kids to have a lesser experience because of what you guys did. 
And so it was like an eight hour day, hungover, hot sun, uh, and having to pretend that everything was fine. But you know what it taught me was that it was that accountability piece, right? It's like sending us home would have just been a, a punishment, but it was a lesson that really stuck with me. It's like, you're responsible for the, you know, experience of these kids. And uh, when the push comes to shove, you're going to do it. And I think we all appreciated, you know, um, my friends and I that lesson. So, so that's that kind of mindset, you know, it's not to slap people around and, and control them but it's to support them. And sometimes support is, you know, a gentle kick in the pants at six in the morning when you've been doing bad things. Well, <laughs> well I have to say that for me, um, the things that were the most telling and bred the most loyalty to me is when I was, um, uh, or for me, was uh, when I was younger in my career, uh, my, my parents passed away when I was quite young, but my my my. Um, my dad passed away mm. and um, my boss at the time um, uh, Jamie who you will know um, responded in a way that stuck with me forever okay and I always think that um, how you treat employees and how accommodating you are in their difficult time, mm -hmm. it, it kind of it sets the tone for everything else. Absolutely. So yeah. um, he was, he said, you know, do what you need to do, take as much time, we'll be here, we'll manage, right. we'll cover it off. And um, that stuck with me. So when I was in a position of authority with, and I had many occasions where there was staff who were having really difficult personal experiences that yeah. independent of work and um and i think that for me it was um i felt really good about being able to accommodate them and yeah. being prepared yeah. that when these circumstances came up i had a i had a a way that i was going to approach it which was uh, was calm understanding and give them space right a lot of times that's what people need yeah. in those difficult circumstances it, but um yeah it I, I think that that for me was part of that the servant leadership was basically you're really trying to help the people that are working for you yeah. and uh yeah. and by doing by by listening by by paying attention to what's going on with them and to not just sort of you know tell them where to go is uh <laughs> is not you know suck it up buttercup is not really right. what people want to hear when they're they're grieving or, you know. well certainly not in those hard times but you know i've never understood and i've had clients who have an attitude of distrust i've never understood how you you could be distrusting the people that you have working for you and yet magically expecting them to treat your customers and you know go above and beyond so i think i think you're bang on you know in the hard times but I think all times just to to. But again, that isn't to say that you allow people to just kind of walk over you. And no. um, same as being a parent, you know, sometimes you got to lay down the expectations and, and say, hey, I'm disappointed with, you know, how this turned out without being a jerk about it. So, yeah, more to come because it's it's such a fascinating topic and it ties to so many other ideas. But anyways, it was uh, it was good to, to chat about it a bit. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. That's that's awesome. How's our timing there? Are We're good? doing good. We're twenty minutes in. So, wow, that goes so quickly, man. <laughs> so, what media are you con consuming? Uh, you know, I started watching. 
a little bit schizophrenic sometimes and i'm like watching so many things at once the same with books right so i watched uh, first episode of mine hunters yesterday on netflix i don't think i know which is one. uh so it's a show about the early days of the fbi and the behavioral sciences unit and i don't know how much of it is fictional but one of the famous things about this particular show is the uh, the actors. So they 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 use real historical uh, uh, criminal figures. So yesterday, on YouTube, I watched the the Charles Manson scene. I guess it's in season two, and the actor is like like bang on, bang on. So there's a whole bunch of of I think Son of Sam is in it, and they're using these to understand you know the criminal mind kind of thing. But they, there's these phenomenal um, performances of people that you don't usually see being, you know, in films, right? These, these serial killer types. So really interesting. And my son, Victor, is he's a big, um, he's got a lot of interest in forensics and, and, and psychology. So he actually watched it and he was like, oh, dad, you got you to gotta check it out. So, so I'm watching that. And I'm just still trying to read a bunch of these books that I've already started, uh, you know, principles. And uh, what about you? What's, what's new on your horizon? Well, I... Uh Last week we talked briefly about the the Loki series, and right. uh, yes. the second episode has dropped. Uh, by the time this comes out, the third episode will have dropped. Yep. Um, and I had mentioned that uh, that Tom Hiddleston had at one point in time been considered for being James Bond, and that it, you have to watch uh, if you if you want to see why you would see the Night Manager. So I started watching the Night Manager. Oh yeah, and uh, it's an excellent. Is it good? Excellent series. Yeah, it, he is. Uh, he's super, super. Uh, he, he's like a, a James Bond, but not more like okay. a combination. James Bond, Jason Bourne, and hotel manager. <laughs> really? Yes. What kind of crazy hotel is this? Well, it, it's it's yeah. So he's the night manager at a hotel. Is it like uh, is it like the hotel in John Wick where it's all? No, no. This is a hotel in uh, in uh, can't remember which. Uh, it's a it's a a Middle Eastern country, and um, it's like uh, I, th I think it might be Egypt even. Okay. And um, uh, it's it's about there's a whole lot of things going on okay. around, and this is kind of uh, this is kind of a. Uh, European hotel, right? So it's kind of a bit of a sanctuary for expats and people who are wealthy. And he comes into some information that uh, is devastating. The night manager. Yeah. Well, and it's not. It's not just Tom Hiddleston. Hugh Laurie's in it, and he plays against. Oh, okay. He plays against type. Really? Well, he's such a phenomenal guy. If yeah. You, so if he, you watch him, Hugh Laurie, House, and if you go back to the old Blackadder series, yeah, but like he's. He's kind of charming, crusty in those. Yeah, he's he's a he's a bad man. Okay, <laughs> so uh, maybe a little tiny bit of a spoiler, but he's a bad man. <laughs> Speaking of not playing against type, uh, for Father's Day we rented Nobody with Bob Odenkirk, which is like the John Wick. It's a new movie about if you're a John Wick oh, fan. Right, it's right, the same yes. writers and 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 phenomenal. Like Paulette was like. What is this? John but Wick is. She's like a very unusual. Way too much theory. testosterone in this house, but a <laughs> phenomenal movie. It was really good, and Christopher Lloyd is in it, and uh, 
He's looking more and more like Abe Vigoda, but uh, <laughs> but he's just hilarious in it. So really enjoy. He's it. looking like fish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he really is. Yeah. He's got to be in his eighties now. So Abe Vigoda has been is is uh, boy that is really you know, stadium. Still, I think he's still alive. Oh no, I'm, I'm sure. I, I think last I checked, I think he's st- I think he's like ninety six years old or something. Oh wow. Yeah. You think you don't. Abe Vigoda, for those of you who, this is going back to the Barney Miller days, Barney right? Miller, yeah. He was in his late 50s only when he was playing that Wow, role. he looked like he was a lot Well, that was kind that. of his thing, right? And so it's a great story. Um, the guy that played um, Barney told the story. I saw it on YouTube where they went to play handball. And he thought, same thing, because here's this actor who shuffles around. And, and uh, he was actually really, apparently, an amazing athlete. So they go to play handball, and Ava Goda just cleans his clock. <laughs> you know? And uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Hal Linden. And he was, like, you know, in his mid-40s, and he thought, this is going to be easy, right? But no, I mean, Vigoda was in really good shape. Not, you know, just shows how good an actor he was. But, yeah, yeah he looked old when he was he looked decrepit 50 years ago. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, so some good stuff. I'm going to definitely check out that Night Manager. Oh, it is some, definitely on At Prime. some point. <laughs> <laughs> at some point. Let's back it up up the list. And I'm still watching lots of YouTube videos. And I um, there's, um, there's a couple of particular YouTubers that I like following. There's uh, James Hoffman. He is a, he's a guy. He's a coffee guy. Okay. A he's, coffee guy. So it's pretty okay. exotic coffee stuff. So... Uh, for Father's Day, my wife got me uh, an AeroPress, and so he has gone through all the steps on how you use an AeroPress to make fake coffee. And 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 um, and the other guy that I follow, who's kind of weird, his name is uh, Kenji uh, Kenji Alt uh, Lopez, <laughs> and he is okay. uh, he is uh, that's his, actually his name, and yeah, yeah. Uh, he yeah. is. Um, He's a chef who writes articles. He's got a, a column in the New York Times. Okay. And he's a YouTuber. And he does these uh, point of view cooking things. So he is, is really a bit weird. My wife can't watch it because it makes her nauseous because it's a little bit of uh, the Blair Witch thing. So he sticks a GoPro on okay. his Okay. Interesting. Right? In his house. He's cooking. And uh, so you see how a, a real chef cooks at home all he's right. written a couple of books and one's called the food lab so he's a super geeky foodie guy right and has really interesting aspect uh, interesting uh, opinions based on science as to things like should you salt your eggs early or not there's a, a, a people used to think that if you salt it early yeah, it yeah. made the eggs rubbery it doesn't but um, interesting. And, and if you pepper too early, pepper burns off. So if you're cooking something, you lose the pepper if it's too early in the cooking process. Okay. And anyway, so so I, I'm a bit of a foodie. I'm a bit of a coffee guy. So I had really good coffee camping, by the way. And uh, <laughs> excellent. And um, so those two guys I've been following quite a bit, and uh, the food is always really good. He makes. He has this thing called the creamiest eggs, and it's Ooh, amazing. Really? And I found Kenji through James Hoffman because James Hoffman did this um, thing where he referred to an episode that Kenji sure. had done about um, huevos al vapor, which is basically making eggs using the steam wand on your espresso machine. 
Interesting. It, is, it makes amazing eggs. It's super fast. It's wow. super fast, super easy. It's a little messy on the steam wine, so you got to be careful. <laughs> I was going to say, clean it before you make a cup of coffee. After. But it, uh, <laughs> oh, but those eggs, they are to die for. Wow. Right? Really? They have this crazy cool texture. They yeah. so basically, if you've ever foamed milk, you you need to get it really swirling. Sure. So you do that with the eggs. And you get the eggs swirling. And then there's a point in time in the cooking process where they just kind of, they freeze. Really? Yeah. And so you you basically take your eggs, you put in a little bit of butter. Okay. And like just chunks, a couple of chunks of butter. Yeah, I can picture it now. And uh, beat it into uh, your your mixing bowl. Uh Uh-huh. And and you just steam it. And you can put salt, pepper, and uh, actually you should put salt and pepper before you. You do it because then it gets all mixed, right? Um, and uh, and you get these eggs, and they're really—they have a unique texture. It's really quite good. I quite like them. Nice. Um, I could see some people thinking they're a little bit weird, but uh-huh. um, but it is really good. An acquired taste. Wow. But you need a steam one that's got a fair bit of steam, or it some, doesn't work. Some very power. Well. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. You cook fish on your radiator, and uh, you can cook your eggs with your coffee machine. Yeah, Wonderful. <laughs> There you go. All so, right. Something you didn't really I, want I, to know. Well, no, I, I'm fascinated. Kenji and did you say James Hoffman? James Hoffman. James Hoffman. All right. Yeah, James so Hoffman there you go, is folks, a, if you're listening. He's a British a coffee foodie? guy who I think he's part owner of a, uh, a roaster. And, he had, ah, and he's won the okay. International Barista Championships like wow. 10 or 12 years ago or something. Yeah. He's a super coffee guy. <laughs> There's an international contest for everything. Well, the baristas, yeah, well, sure. <laughs> anyway. All right. So okay. next episode. Next episode. Episode numero quattro. Numero, yes. We, you said you were going to do something I think is going to be really interesting. So we're going to talk about uh, photography and the difference between um, photography as art and photography as a documentary kind of uh, snapshot in time. Okay. Uh, and what what is the difference between the two and... Uh, how you get from one to the other wow. and uh, so so we're going to talk about it. yeah cause so you uh, that's going to be interesting so you can explain to us how those awkward family photos on the internet where they are they art or are they documentation of a moment in well time? exactly well or are they just unfortunate use of the technology well and art that you want to put on <laughs> your walls as opposed to uh you want to show people on facebook so. sure yeah that's right Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look forward to that. And um, there you go, Mark. Episode three. Episode three is Good in the can. Ya. Yeah. We'll catch you on the flip side. Absolutely. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.